the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in today's episode, it's the third of our Listener's Choice episodes. Thanks to everybody who wrote to us to suggest titles. We're going to go through some of them now before we actually reveal which one we picked out of the HD Movie Podcast hat. So, among the suggestions were... Enzo G. Castellari's High Crime, suggested by Laura Bynan. Laura Ruth suggested the Lizzie McGuire movie from 2003. Mercer, the uh, infamous third of the I Spit on Your Grades podcast crew, he suggested S Club Seeing Double from 2003. Art Hoy Polloy suggested Female Prisoner Number 701 Scorpion from 1972. Friend of the show, Dr. Laura McIntyre, suggested 1994's Street Fighter. Mike Shawcross suggested 2002's Equilibrium. Andrew Barron thought that we should watch 1987's Mannequin. HD Movie Podcast composer Mitch Bain suggested 1996's That Thing You Do. And Paul Huxley, half of the Huxley and Golay Seepers producing team. He suggested The Talented Mr. Ripley from 1999. All good suggestions, all suggestions that we may keep for the next Listener's Choice episode. However, the movie we drew out was from Kevin Matthews, and he suggested that we have a look at 1985's Restless Natives, directed by Michael Hoffman. So, Listener's Choice time, and Listener's Choice begin 1985's Restless Natives, directed by Michael Hoffman. Should be an interesting one, this, because we've got a Welsh woman and a Yorkshire man discussing a Scottish movie directed by an American. Okay, let's begin. So, this synopsis is written by Alan Burns on IMDb to give you an insight into what this film is about, because I had never even heard of it and obviously hadn't even seen it before this was chosen out of the hat. Two lads in Edinburgh embark on a non-violent spree of robberies. They dress up in clown masks and act as modern highwaymen, robbing coach loads of tourists in the Highlands. In the process, they become folk heroes to the locals. Their adventures make for a whimsical and gentle comedy in the Bill Forsyth vein. Now, forgive me for my ignorance, but Darren, who is Bill Forsyth? Uh, Bill Forsyth was another fairly prominent figure in Scottish writing and cinema and he did things like Gregory's Girl so Bill Forsyth is very well regarded in terms of Scottish comedy specifically Scottish cinematic comedy now Gregory's Girl is terrific and it's one of my favorites and 
it's possible that we would have got a lot more out of Gregory's Girl. Now, I'm not saying Restless Natives is a terrible movie. It's far from it. But part of that synopsis, whimsical, that's where it hits the nail on the head, whimsical. This movie is so whimsical, it threatens to just blow away in the wind entirely. The comedy is so gentle that I was willing it to grab things by the scruff and I can be a bit more gritty because the plot has some grittiness at its core. It's about disaffected youth. It's about a country which is suffering from long-term unemployment and it kind of scratches the surface of that, but not really enough. I like my Scottish comedy to be of the Rab C. Nesbitt type, which really is quite brutal and funny at the same time. This is trying to mollycoddle you into its way of thinking, which is fine and I think it won't upset anybody. But at the same time, I was left thinking, yeah, but so what? I mean, the screenplay won a competition. It won a screenwriting competition that was run by Lloyds Bank in the 80s. So the writer, Ninian Dunnett, you can see that the screenplay has potential and it's a good idea, but it's just too twee for its own good. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm with you there. I have to be honest, this film did not grab my attention in the slightest. I was pretty much bored throughout the runtime. Lots of pausing and checking how long is left, and that's always not a good sign. Again, this is not a bad movie at all by any stretch of the imagination. It's competently made, and I think it's very niche. I think it appeals to a certain type of audience, but it doesn't have a universal appeal. Apparently it did very well in Scotland because obviously the people there are going to be able to relate to the material in it, but universally it's kind of bombed. So it's one of those films that I think you kind of have to be from the area to really appreciate it, to get it. And it's not going to have that wide appeal. And I think that is the problem. I think it's a very historical piece as well, because we're talking about, as you say, the, um, disenfranchised youth and the unemployment struggles in the 1980s and it's very much a snapshot of that time and I think if you were studying that period in history or something then this would be a good movie to watch just for the context but in terms of watching it on a random weeknight to chill out to it's just not something that has that mass appeal and I think that it just wasn't for me, unfortunately. And even the comedy in it, I didn't laugh once. I didn't really understand it, I suppose, to a point. So, again, I said, there's genuinely nothing wrong with anything about this film. It's just it's just me. The problem is me. <laughs> I, I don't think the problem is entirely you. I do think that <laughs> its approach to the comedy is so of a light touch that you kind of think, well... Yeah, I can see what they're trying to do. And some of the sight gags are quite funny. And the first half hour, they do try to pack in a lot of gags. But part of it seems like it's in the shadow of something like Gregory's Girl. And it's trying to be quirky. And it's trying to have these moments where it's very specific to the region. It's very specific to the people they're talking about, which is fine. And like you said, I guess if you're from the area, you're going to resonate with the themes a lot more however if you're not from there yeah some of the stuff in it is universal but at the same time it just seems to fall between 
a complete piece of whimsy and something that's trying to say something a bit more politically heart-hitting. And it ends up doing neither. So it's got this classic Robin Hood story, the Robin from the rich, and at some one point they do actually give to the poor. And you've got this American guy who's a CIA agent who decides to stay on because he's been robbed by them, played by Ned Beatty, who does good work, as he does always. But everybody seems to be floundering a bit here because the script isn't really up to what it's trying to say, which is a shame because it's a good idea. And I think that if it had got a bit more punch and some of the characters had been a bit better written, then I think it would have landed a lot better. The main two guys, they try to get this quirky double act going between them. And to a certain extent, it works, but not really because you don't really get pulled along with their quest. You're not really that interested in what they're going to do, even though they're held up as these folk heroes. I mean, I've met quite a few Scottish people in my time, and at the start, somebody calls somebody else a fanny, which is a classic insult from north of the border. And there were times in this movie where I looked at both of these guys and just thought, these two are just a couple of fannies. That's unfortunate because everything about this movie wants you to like it. And I think that's also its problem. It's so desperate for you to like it that it doesn't have an identity of its own. It's too inoffensive. And you end up thinking, I didn't hate that, but I didn't think it was all that memorable either. There's a couple of decent jokes. There's a candlelit dinner joke, which I did actually laugh at, where you think one of the guys and his girlfriend are in this restaurant, maybe, and they've got this candlelight between them. And it turns out it's in the guy's parents' house and they switch the lights on and everybody else is sitting around the table. Stuff like that made me laugh. But there's not nearly enough of those moments to sustain it. And even for something that runs just under 90 minutes, by the end, it's really running out of steam. I really like the first half hour, but there's a bit in the middle where one of them gets mixed up with real criminals and that doesn't seem to fit properly, but it's just an excuse to get Mel Smith in as a cameo. And I don't know, it just seems like it starts off with the best of intentions, but then tries to throw too much into the mix. And by the end, I just thought, well, it wasn't that I didn't care about what happened to them, but by the end I was thinking, oh, come on, let's just let's just finish this and let's get home. Yeah, I think my interest in it waned pretty quickly and to the point where I just didn't immerse myself in it that much and it kind of like, I was switching off a lot, I have to be honest. And it's been a while since a movie has like had that effect, really. I mean, even if something is particularly bad, like the Hallmark, movies that we've covered at least we can get something pull something out of there because it's that ridiculous you're kind of pointing your finger at it and uh highlighting its stupidity with this it just as you say it's too gentle in the comedy and it's kind of repetitive in a lot of ways as well it was just kind of the same scenes playing one after the other and I just didn't really care much for the characters as well they just didn't grip me from the beginning so I thought how am I going to sustain any sort of interest in this so again I can understand where it's coming from and what it's trying to convey but on the whole I think I would have fared better watching S Club scene double. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm wondering about S Club. To be perfectly honest, I thought we were going to get the Lizzie McGuire movie. Something about that movie in the list, I just thought, oh God, it's going to be the Lizzie McGuire movie. And it wasn't. But I could have put money on as watching Lizzie McGuire. As it was, we didn't. I bet we could end up watching Lizzie McGuire at some point during this podcast. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because I like homegrown stuff to do well. I like it to be successful. I like it to work because there's not many movies that you see which can compete with American product, which is bigger budget and flashier. But if you try to aim for something that's a bit more niche, as you said earlier, then that can work. As you also said, this is too niche to work. It's very, very narrowing what it's trying to say. If it had opened out a little bit and had a little bit more to say about the social conditions, yes, it's less funny, but at the same time, it's making you think more about the plot. Whereas the overall feeling of Restless Notice for me is it's just a little bit of silly fun that you're going to have forgotten 10 minutes after you've watched it. I like the portrayal of rural Scotland, especially the police. They're not really that bothered about what's going on. One of the guys has got a salmon fishing book, so he's clearly more interested in fishing than police work. And that could have been decent ground for some culture clash stuff where you've got these rural policemen and you've got this brash CIA guy. And when he comes into their environment, you think, oh, they're just going to take the piss out of this guy for like 20 or 30 minutes, which is going to be great. But they don't even really do that. There's one minor joke at his expense, but they don't really do anything with the American character. So it's too respectful to everybody. And it's got a, such a neat ending as well, where they do get arrested, but they fabricate some story where the police van that's taken away has gone over a cliff, so they don't have to be jailed. And then they're allowed to escape to warmer climes because their actions have boosted the Scottish tourist industry, which is quite a decent joke in itself. But yeah, it's, I, was, I was disappointed. I do vaguely remember renting this when it first came out, but only vaguely. And the only thing I really remember about it was the big country soundtrack. Couldn't remember anything else apart from the music. Now, the music's pretty good. I do like a bit of big country and the music's good. But... If that's the thought that you come away with after Restless Natives, like nothing to do with the movie or the characterization or the writing or the performances, just think, oh, it's got a big country soundtrack and the music's good. That doesn't really have a lot to say about the rest of the movie. One thing, it was a PG when I first saw this and it was a 12 on the rental copy I got. And I suspect that the 12 is for one use of discriminatory language because there is a reference to a type of corner shop that they're going to go to to get some of the supplies and I suspect that that is what got it the 12 rating. I was a little bit startled by that because in a movie that's so gentle, yes I know it was a phrase that was widely used to, to describe a certain type of shop but to hear it in this movie it's really jarring for about two seconds, and then it goes back to being twee and lovely and nice and, and doesn't want to upset anybody. So it's quite glaring when they say that. But at the time, as we've said before, in other 80s movies, it was part of the fabric. Culturally, it was just there, people using it all the time. 
as we've also said, doesn't make it right. And now, when you hear somebody use that, I mean, back then when you heard somebody use it, it was like, oh, God. I mean, when you hear somebody use it now in a movie, despite the fact that it's from the mid-80s, you just think, oh, no, no, why have they used that? Again, this is the thing that stands out. It's nothing really to do with the movie that stands out. It's that one discriminatory use of language and then it's the big country soundtrack and the rest of it is kind of, yeah, it's all right, but that's it, it's all right. And I don't want to come out of a film thinking, it's all right. I want to either hate it so much that I can go on a rant about it or love it so that I can sing its praises to the rooftops. This is just bang in the middle. It's just totally average in every respect. And it's trying hard. It's trying so desperately hard to be this lovely movie. It just doesn't work. I'm sorry, Restless Natives. Yeah, I just got nothing out of this film. And I think it's on the more obscure scale of British cinema. So obviously you've got your big, well-known films like Full Monty, Full Weddings and A Funeral. It does not fall into that category. I'd say the closest thing it could be to is something like With Nail and I. But again, that film is very funny. So this it doesn't even match that. But I think it's that kind of genre that we're looking for here. Interestingly, on IMDb, it's got quite a lot of positive reviews. People deeming it as a gem and stating how overlooked this film is. But interestingly, the reviews start from the late 90s to the mid 2000s. And there's only a couple of more recent years. So I think you said that it did get a re-release quite recently. So it's obviously been on people's radar again. But again, this is a film, like I say, I've never heard of before. And I probably would never have come across it if it wasn't for the selection for the podcast. Yeah, it's an interesting selection and it's an interesting snapshot in time because it shows you how things were back in the mid-80s, specifically how things were in the mid-80s north of the border. And Scotland was a country that had basically rejected the policies of the government in England. And the response of the government in England was to just basically forget Scotland entirely, as they did with large parts of the country. And you kind of felt that maybe this movie was going to be quite hard-hitting, but at the same time, cover it up with all this twee comedy. But it doesn't. You just get the twee comedy as a tiny bit of social commentary. But it's just too polite for its own good. Because whenever it's trying to put a bit of social commentary in there, it's like, we need more silly jokes, we need more daft behaviour. So we'll cover it up with all of that. And it's a shame, really, because if it had have gone harder with the social commentary, I think it would stand up now a lot better. As it is, it's just an interesting curiosity from the mid-80s. I understand how people think it's an overlooked gem. It's specifically the sort of entertainment that if you want to stick it on on a Sunday afternoon and have something that's going to make you feel good and not tax you too much and be inoffensive in such a way that you couldn't possibly get upset by that one word about anything in this movie. I understand there's an audience for that and possibly a similar audience to the Hallmark movies we've been talking about, maybe, because there's no threat in this. It's all very gentle. The criminals are useless. Even the supposed professional ones are not very threatening. So it's operating on the level of fantasy here, really. So it's not gritty in any way whatsoever. And I think that's its downfall. I think that it is too 
gentle. It is too nice for its own good, this movie. And I just felt that it needed more edgy humour. I'm sorry. At some point, you just have to use that sort of humour at some point because it's kind of an edgy subject with these two lads that really don't have anything going for them and they don't see themselves having a future. That's an edgy subject, but to treat it in such a gentle way, I can see why they've done it. It's a contrast, but I wanted it to be a little bit more hard-hitting, just a tiny bit more. It didn't have to be smacking you in the face with it every two seconds, but by the end, it's just a fairly forgettable bit of whimsy that I wanted to really like and just ended up thinking it didn't stir me one way or the other. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, which is frustrating. Yeah, I think I'm with you on all of that because I was expecting something a bit more gritty when I was reading into it and having a little bit of a research into it before watching it. And then finding out it was a comedy, I, as you said, I thought it was going to have that edginess to it where it was mean-spirited comedy, but that that's just not how it plays out. And I think watching it, uh, someone from my generation really struggled with it because I just can't relate to any of the content. I think that is the main issue with it. But as I said, as a piece of history, it works. And, and I think if you were studying into that time period, it would be an interesting snapshot. That is the only place I see for this film. I don't see it as anything entertaining. I think it's the kind of movie they put on in school if you were studying the unemployment history of Scotland. I don't know. It's such a very niche subject that, it, as I say, it does not have that broad appeal. And that's where it struggles. And because it's not got that edginess of something like, I don't know, train spotting is the obvious choice. I think that's why it remains a bit forgettable, as you say. It's just it's just not going to stay long-lasting in people's minds unless it had a particular impact on them at the time of the film's release or they've come to it a bit later and can, I don't know, relate to it because of their own history. I just don't know who this film is for other than that. It has a little nod to being slightly Scottish nationalist, but even that, it's so delicately played that it's not really a rallying call for people to say you know independent scotland that's the best thing it doesn't do any of that even the bit with the japanese tv crew that follow them at one point there's a there's a segue into this japanese journalism program and they're showing footage of them following the two robbers about and you think that might actually go somewhere as well but again it's just it's another situation to throw into the pot. It's reasonably amusing at the time. It's slightly stereotypical of Japanese cultural entertainment at the time where everything seemed to be Japanese guys in suits getting very excited and screaming into the camera. So <laughs> I guess if you want to level any sort of cultural insensitivity at Restless Natives, that's the point. But again... It's just meant to be really silly. So I don't think its intentions are bad. It's just the fact that its intentions are so good and so pure that at the end, you just want it to have a bit more balls about it and it doesn't. Yeah, it's a bit of a ball fest, I'm sorry to say. As you can guess, definitely not my bag, not my vibe. 
Uh, I would not have watched this otherwise if I had a lineup of films ahead of me of what I was going to choose. Sorry to say this, but I would choose a Hallmark film over this or a Netflix version of a Hallmark film or even that Crystal Cove film. Oh, God. Now the, <laughs> I, I think this is how bad we're getting that the Crystal Cove movie entertained me slightly more than this just because of how stupid it was with the business jargon. Yeah. Not that it, it's, it's a better film in any, yeah. any way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, I need to be entertained and watch something that I'm going to get something out of. And I think that's the problem. If you're watching a film and you don't even hate it or love it and you can't pull anything from it, it just leaves you feeling a bit uh, kind of in that lackluster kind of feeling. I think that's how it came across to me. So, yeah, I think we're just all a bit deflated here after watching that film. <laughs> It's a shame as well, because everything should go for this movie. It's got a decent premise. It's in a location you don't normally see. Although, having said that, although it is set in Edinburgh, there are certainly sequences in there that are clearly Glasgow. So that's an interesting wrinkle in where it was shot. The Highland scenery, I have to say, is beautiful. One thing you can't level at this movie is that it isn't a good-looking movie, especially when they're driving around the Highlands. It's gorgeous. But if you're just talking scenery, big country soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, you could just go listen to a big country album and then look at the picture of the islands. It's just a shame. I'm glad that Kevin suggested this because as a proud Scot, I'm glad that Kevin suggested something from Scotland. But in terms of Scottish movies, certainly of that era, Local Hero is so much better than this. Local Hero is superb. And I think... A lot of movies were in the shadow of things like Local Hero and Gregory's Girl. And everybody was trying to turn out something that was a little bit quirky, a little bit different. And some landed and some didn't. This kind of lands, but not in any interesting way. I'm glad we watched it. It's an interesting film to talk about. It just doesn't stir me as much as, obviously, Local Hero and Gregory's Girl, which have more to say about Scotland, and are both funnier as well. But this, it's not terrible. If you want something that you can switch your brain off and just have a nice time, put this on and it will just wash over you. But if you want something a bit more substantial, this is going to drive you insane because it refuses to do anything that isn't so fucking twee and nice through its entire runtime. And I was sure they weren't going to get shot at the end. There's no suggestion of darkness in this movie at all. And I know that not everybody wants darkness in a movie. Even I don't want darkness in movies all the time. But with the subject matter, you think, oh, is there going to be a dark twist to this at the end? Because it kind of nudges you slightly in that direction. But by the end, it's like, oh, no, no, everything's nice. Everything's as it was. The heroes have got what they want. They've carved out a different life for themselves. Everything's nice. Which is at odds with the setting and all the social problems. I, I don't know. I mean, you can't lump all that stuff into a movie like this, I know, but it falls short for me. Even the romance, it starts off sweet, and you think, are they going to have this like quirky romantic subplot? That goes nowhere either. They don't really have the romantic interest in it enough for it to land either. So... It's kind of a grab bag of stuff. Some of it works, a lot of it doesn't. And it gives me no pleasure to say that I didn't really enjoy this 
nearly as much as I should have. It all hangs together technically, but as a movie-going experience, it just lacked something for me. Yeah, and I think the term switching your brain off was my main problem with this because, as I say, it didn't grab me in any way, so I did not get enough out of this. I didn't get the whole context of what it was all trying to say on the whole. I just felt very vague about it, and I know, that again, that's my fault, but I just could not get into this film at all. And if you start scrolling on your phone during a movie, that's pretty bad, and I don't do that very often. I try to give things my full attention, but I was losing the will to live a little bit. And because it wasn't a bad movie, I couldn't necessarily get anything ridiculously funny out of it either. But the good news for Restless Natives is critics and fans are see it in much higher regard. So it's got a respectable 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb and a surprisingly good 83% tomato meter and a 90% audience score. Now, I see this as the kind of movie I could have imagined being screened in film studies, basically. I think yeah. this is very much a more academic approach i mean i have a degree in film studies believe it or not but my way of thinking about films does not follow an academic structure and i kind of struggle with that now because it's been so long and i don't really look at films in a deeply analytical way so it's just kind of what's in front of me did i enjoy this that's how i view films now so I think for somebody studying film, this is kind of an ideal film for that. But just for your casual moviegoer, which I class myself as at this stage, I'd say it's not not my bag. That's fair. And I don't think it's down to you not picking up on the plot. I think the movie is, is vague when it's trying to deal with the deeper themes. I think it, it's deliberately vague so that you're not being hit with the political side of things. I think that if you're not picking it up, that's the movie's fault. That's not the viewer's fault. And I understand the high scores because it's the sort of movie that, with Rotten Tomatoes, for it to get a positive score, it only has to be good or higher. So if people rate it good or above, that's a success. Now, if 90% of people in the audience are saying it's good or above, I can see this movie landing with a lot of people not because they say oh it's the best movie i've ever seen or it's the best portrayal of scotland i've ever seen or it's the quirkiest comedy i've ever seen a lot of people are going to watch this and go yeah that was nice it was good i'll give it a decent score because it's trying to please that much whereas we're a little bit more cynical about it and it just comes down to either say something profound or do something dark or just entertain us and if it's not doing any of those, then a lot of that stuff is not going to land with us. And you're right about the Hallmark movie stuff. Yes, in terms of movie making and in terms of performances and all of that technical stuff, this is absolutely fine. Film students will get a lot out of this because they'll see how the movie's put together and there'll be things about structure and plotting and all of that stuff works for film students. However, it's just pitched at a level that you don't want to take the piss out of it because it's so well-meaning, but at the same time, it doesn't hold a lot of interest, whereas crap Hallmark movies, they're just fertile ground for taking the piss out of. They're dreadful pieces of art, but you can talk about them ad nauseum, and they're always hilarious. So it's a bit of a weird concept for us to go and say, oh, Restless Natives doesn't have enough stuff for us to take the piss out of. 
But <laughs> at the end of the day, that's almost what it comes down to. But in terms of the movie itself, it's put together perfectly well. It just doesn't stir anything particularly passionate in me. And that's a shame. Maybe it's the problem is me being Welsh and Darren being Yorkshire. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to put it down to. But again, I'd like to thank Kevin for choosing this film for us because it's always good to push us out of our comfort zone. We just kind of gravitate towards things that we know that we're going to like or we know that it's going to be so bad it's good. So it's nice to get something a bit different. As we say, we're any movie, any genre, any policy on this podcast. And again, listener's choice is always a fun segment just because we never know what we're going to get and we have to roll with it. So thank you for uh, selecting this film for us. And I'm sorry we couldn't do it justice, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I feel really terrible now that we've not fully embraced it. But I mean, go see, you know, see Restless Natives. There's two opinions, two opinions about a movie. You may watch it and absolutely love it. It may completely land with you. He's just managed to pick a grumpy Yorkshireman and a slightly less grumpy Welsh woman to to review a movie <laughs> about, about <laughs> to, to review a movie about Scotland. Definitely see it because it's an experience, and you may get a lot more out of it than we did. It's just unfortunate that we've managed to land on a movie which just didn't float the boat of either of us. However, as I said before, great that people are suggesting movies to us. Thank you ever so much, Kevin, for picking it. And we're looking forward to the next listener's choice, wherever that may be. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 99 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep up to date with our content and check out our past episodes, if you haven't already, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. Next. I can't believe I'm actually saying this. Episode 100. We've done 100 of these when we get to the next episode. That is ridiculous. I cannot believe it. I'm so proud of us for reaching this milestone. Um, what started off as a little project we discussed during lockdown, we made a reality and it's nearly been three years. Like, what is going on? But we love talking movies and we appreciate all the feedback we've had from you know from everybody and just thank you to everybody who's listened to one episode or a hundred episodes we appreciate you all thank you so much for listening to two people ramble on about films of any genre and any quality yeah i can only reiterate that thanks to everybody who's been with us on this fairly weird journey if you've only just joined us that's fine if you've been with us since episode zero my god We'd love to have you around for the next 100 episodes as well. Thank you ever so much. So, what are we going to be doing for the landmark episode 100? I'm very excited about this because this is a subject that really interests me and I've wanted to do something like this ever since we recorded our Three Men and a Baby episode back in 2021. We are going to be covering our top 10 favourite of all time ever movie urban legends so all that weird stuff that we love talking about whether things are true or not we just like to have a fun discussion so we're going to be looking at some of our favorite films and the legends attached to them so stick with us and i hope you enjoy the episode until then and until episode 100 stay safe everybody
and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.